And welcome to the untold hour. I feel like I always, I always hit that uh, a little earlier than you. One day we'll get it exactly right. Earlier, I always hit that. I always, well, one or the other. I always hit the hour just off from you, and I'm waiting for that perfect sync. And I'm saying that so nobody in comments is like Bowser's always off, but just a little bit. But I don't think anybody knows. Like, I think they oh, think it's they the do. real deal, but like you just sold us out on that. <laughs> yeah, I like putting myself on blast. That's my MO. To be right, fair, so, it's hard to synchronize your breath over Zoom. Yeah, that's, that's true. true Maybe well, this will be the day that we get lucky and somebody hacks us and shows us their balls. That's, that's been yes. ongoing. That's the runner for these cross. Zoom sessions. But who among us really wants that? I, I mean, me kind Jess of, honestly, like to get yeah. just, just to see it one time. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I think like, so. I don't want it to be continuous and I don't want it to be any longer than a couple seconds, but a quick flash and then we're out and I'll feel like, oh, we yeah. were included in the news that's making right. the rounds right now. Just, yeah. Just two frames of testicles will just do. Two. Yes. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know who we have with us, who just said two frames of testicles. <laughs> oh God. We're joined- this is why I don't do podcasts anymore. <laughs> we're joined by Allison Scaliotti. Perfect who is an actress, thank you, an actress, director, musician, uh, a lot of things, and has been a friend of mine for some time now. I'm such a fan. How did you guys meet? Oh, thank you. I, th- I, I don't know how we met. It I was think through... we had mutual friends for, uh, for a while. Yeah. We had mutual friends. That's a coded way of saying uh, a breakup happened and now we don't have as many mutual friends. But I've I've been a fan for a long time from Monster Machine days. Oh, thank you. Well, also, there's the breakup, but then I feel like there's other mutual connections that we've had. There's Oh, uh, sure. Well, oh my God. I was listening to your latest episode with my beloved Mystic Dylan this morning. Oh, I don't know if I knew... I don't know that I knew you know knew you knew you? Mystic Dylan. Yes, I not only do I know him, I am a faithful client of Mystic Dylan. Oh um, yes, I love was, Dylan. He was the main event at my last birthday, uh, and I I make it a point to uh, employ his services at least a few times a year. As a matter of fact, I I owe him a call during this strange and unusual quarantine time. I was oh yeah, ask no, you, I yeah. mean for sure. Hit him up for entertainment, and also I was like, "Hey, I got some um, side side work I need you to yeah. <laughs> do for me." Yeah, he, he was made, telling he us that uncrossed, Dylan. Yes, <laughs> right. He was so. telling us that he does so many uh, calls, you know, out of his house that it hasn't changed his business model much. Being mm-hmm. in this weird new paradigm, um, that's amazing. Have you gone to see him at the Mystic Museum? Before? Yes, many times. That's how I met him. Uh, gotcha. was, I, I was kind of hanging out. I don't know why I was hanging out on Magnolia Boulevard, but I never, I, I, I lived in the Valley for many years and uh, it was, I lived through the recession when Magnolia Boulevard was boarded up and there wasn't a, a thriving business to be seen. And so to see it com- completely turn over and become this adorable hang was really exciting. So when I discovered the Mystic Museum, I was like, this is the place I've been looking for my whole life. And I found him there. 
It's yeah. true. Yeah, I used to make little uh, strip trips is what I called them when I worked mm. in Burbank. And I'd just mm-hmm. go to that strip and hit Mystic Museum and hit uh, Halloween Town. And, and Boulevard Cafe Cito for the uh, Horchata oh, yeah. Latte. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. for the Horchata Latte. Oh, good. And there used to be a place called Creature Features. Do you remember that? It That's just shut there. down. No, it's gone now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that place. But you I may just be thinking. It. You may be thinking of Dark Delicacies. Are you thinking of Dark no, Delicacies? No, Dark Delicacies moved. They moved. They're, yeah, they moved because of all the rent going up. Remember yeah. that whole Burbank, uh, Save Burbank or whatever they had it a couple years ago? Yeah, Save Burbank. Where Mandalia all the rentals Park. were just going up and now everybody that's moving in is like salons. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of salons, a lot of barbershops. Sal- salons yeah. and gun loving shops. This- I'm loving this locals only vibe we have yeah. going on. There's, <laughs> there's no Salons, one listening. Shops, vintage stores, and some um, and some witchcraft places, and that's yeah. pretty shout out to the lady Magnolia. who used to do my eyebrows on Magnolia. What Whoa. up? Yeah, we've definitely had our a fair share of just Magnolia Park chat on Bizarre States and now oh, okay, the Untold good. Hour. Yeah, good, good. Uh, well, before we get into talking about you and your experiences in the supernatural and and where you were raised how are you doing during this uh quarantine how are you faring mentally are you staying sane well i think sanity is relative (laughs) but i mean i have a number of responses to that on the one hand i mean i'm an only child and so i have a lifetime of entertaining myself under my belt i was also because i was a child actor i was homeschooled from the age of 11 so giving my days structure and self-motivating at, at a time like this feels like a superpower. Yeah. Uh, so I have no problem kind of, uh, you know, sketching out my day or sketching out my week. Uh, but then again, I'm also a double Virgo, which means I am my own worst enemy in ways I cannot even quantify for you. Right. <laughs> so I'll set goals that are... Uh, out of the question and then get frustrated when I haven't exceeded them. Are you saying, are you doing what a lot of people are recommending against, which is like, I'm going to write the great American novel while I'm home on quarantine. Are you setting creative I'm like, I want to come out of this speaking three new languages, having written a full, a new concept album, a pilot. Like, let me, let me shoot a short film in my room. Like it's all too much, (laughs) you know, um, I'm not setting realistic goals, so I'm having to kind of. I started yeah. out with high hopes, but then um, now I just stopped giving a shit. Like I, <laughs> I finally hit a wall at Easter when we started having rainy days like every day. The rain is real. I'm a little seasonal affective too, and yeah. which surprises my friends who are like, "You're goth. You're a creature of the night, and the rain makes you sad." Yeah, but well, it's true. Like, I need the vitamin D. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, it's all those things, and I actually like it when it rains here. Normally, I think the issue is knowing that I'm locked inside on top of then having it rain, and mm-hmm. there is no like out at all. That's when. It, so all that basically happened at Easter for me, and I lost my mind. So it's more like the lack of choices, the lack That's, of options. Yeah, yeah it's like just all the options, restricted. but none of the options. Because all of the options, like you were saying, is, um, oh, I want to come out of the speaking three languages, so I'm going to download Duolingo and blah, 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 right. blah. Or I'm going to finish this entire pile of games that I've been sitting on, and I'm going to like do, like, complete everything. And, you know, like all these little – but then in the meantime, I have to kind of have this thing where now because my – child is home and he doesn't have to, he can't go to school. I'm the teacher. And 
no, right. I'm cleaning constantly because everybody's in the house using stuff. And Ugh. I'm just like, this fucking sucks. And then the rain came and I was just like, oh my God, fuck it all. Just fuck it. And yeah. uh, now I'm, I'm still really, I still really hate everything, but I can deal with it a little bit better. Yeah. So what is saying fuck it all meant? Does it mean like, what are you doing with your days now, Jess? Like, I mean, I still, I mean, teaching is now my, that's like, like I teach teach first grade, but um, that's terrifying to me because I would be a horrible teacher, especially if it was sprung on me. Well, it's not that bad. The, the, the school system that he has, they basically set up Google classroom. So you basically just go on there and follow the itinerary that they arrange for you. And so that's not awful. And believe it or not, I've actually remember, like, learned a couple things myself while I (laughs) (laughs) yeah like I didn't know that the moon was so cold it's like colder than freezing when it the sun's not shining and when the sun shines on the moon it's hot it's hotter than boiling like I had no idea like I didn't know that I was like I didn't either even though I'd like to say I was like holy shit I guess makes perfect sense when you really think about it but um but yeah so uh yeah that's what grade is that what grade is that uh that's first oh wow (laughs) something i should know in other (laughs) words (laughs) well it doesn't come up usually in average conversation so that's true you know unless you're an astronaut i don't think you really need to know if water would boil on the moon that's true i I did not excel in the sciences and at a time like this i'm really wishing i had (laughs) yeah yeah Well, well we Allison, got time to study. If you get bored and you want to add one more thing to that list, yeah, okay? Yeah, or join their join Jess's Google class and come join us in Google class. <laughs> right. Super, super fun. Well, I would Allison, retake the first grade. Why not? Oh gosh, I would retake the yeah. I would retake first through fourth because I feel like they were just a blur, at least for me, a blur of like panic and. <laughs> And I don't, yeah, before I knew it, I was in middle school and I had, right, I just like blurred through elementary, mm-hmm. just trying to navigate socially and and yeah. make friends and, uh, you know, not get into fights on the playground. And then in the next thing I know, I'm in middle school and yeah, then you're just in the deep end. Then you're just, yeah, it's all done. Yeah. It's all done at that point. It's all done. Well, Allison, tell us that we know that you, you started acting very young. Did you yeah. grow up in New Orleans? Or did you just uh, spend a long time there? What What is your history with New Orleans? New Orleans to me is is kind of my hometown in the sense that uh, it was formative. I wasn't born there, but uh, I started school there. Um, I lived there from the ages of turning five to 11 and a half. Okay. Um, and my dad still lives there. So I, yeah, so I try to, I try to visit at least a couple times a year. In fact, the reason I'm drinking a Sazerac right now is because I was supposed to be in the French Quarter with my dad this weekend. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I mean, look, on the scale of things that are happening to people during this uh, quarantine time, some canceled travel plans are really, really low on the list. And I'm sure. you know, uh, taking stock of that every day. Like, I'm very comfortable. But uh, yeah, New Orleans is... Uh, it's a magical place. It's full of uh, spirits and demons. And uh, I always get really inspired when I go back there. Last time I was there was right before Christmas. My dad and I went to, we held up our um, very, very dorky tradition together. And we went to see a show at the Sanger Theater. Ah, nice. Uh, what kind of show? Uh, a touring musical theater show. 
Um, I'm going to hold back which show we saw because it wasn't great. <laughs> okay. It wasn't great, guys. Gotcha. But, but the ritual of going to the theater with my dad was, was really special. That was sure. what made me fall in love with, uh, with theater and with storytelling. He took me to see uh, The Phantom of the Opera when I was maybe Ooh. six. It's a Don't good one. get me started. Okay, um, like that's everything that you need to know about me is the, yeah. is the camp and opulence and spookiness. Yeah. I came home from that singing all the songs. I didn't want to be Christine. I wanted to be the Phantom. Oh, yeah. I don't understand. Like when I hear people, this is going to be a tangent and so I'll need to wrangle myself in. But when I hear people talk about like, yeah, but it's like super cheesy and stupid, right? I'm that's like, I don't, yeah, like I don't <laughs> compute. You thought it was cheesy or but also, stupid? Most of the things I like, like my favorite films are Reanimator and things like that. So when people are like, oh, right, so it's, but it's really campy. And I'm like, I don't, that's not how I translate it. It just worked for me. I don't know no. how else to say it. It that's just weird. worked. To me, I think campy and cheesy, I think cats, both the theater production and the movie. Sure. Like, yes. sure. I mean, I know, Andrew, you probably love it, but. Yeah, I fucking love cats. Sure. Yeah, I fucking love cats. But, sure. right. <laughs> but that yeah. is a musical with exactly nothing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, totally. Like, oh, what? What? But, um, but, but I don't see, yeah, I don't see Phantom to be campy at yeah. all. I mean, I, I get that it visual, I mean, I get that it is, but it's not. Right. Just makes yeah. sense. Just like, makes of sense. course. It's a phantom that lives in the fucking opera with the mask on. Like, what else? Where do you expect like, this in to Paris. go? <laughs> opulence. Well, so if uh, that is the uh, operative word here is opulence. I- am I wrong to assume, or I- am I correct to assume that I-, I look at New Orleans and I think about having a childhood there and I think that the supernatural and the spiritual and the otherworldly is kind of organically worked into the environment. So it can't be withheld or ignored was it was it welcomed in your family like was your dad cool with that that lifestyle that was present in new orleans or did you have to kind of go and seek it out you know it's interesting my dad is a man of science he he works in medicine which you know kind of presents a whole slew of anxieties for me in a time like this but uh my supernatural experiences he didn't really weigh in on much when i was a kid but i had many because are the house that we lived in, um, and this is, mind you, pre-Katrina, the house post-Katrina does not exist anymore. Gotcha. Um, it, he rebuilt on the same property, but it's, you know, a very different vibe. Yeah. The house had a special history, um, which we didn't learn about until at least a year into living there. And uh, a, a handful of things happened. We moved there. Uh, this is... Just to give you some context, this is a, a house at the end of a dead end street. Um, and at, at the other side of the dead end is Lake Pontchartrain. So, uh, and this is, these are big lots, you know, there's not, your neighbors aren't right next to you like here in LA. There's no one to hear you scream, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, things like, there was a, a heavy brass door knocker right that was on our front door but it was inside a breezeway so there was kind of no it it was protected from the elements in such a way that if if it made noise it meant there was someone there and this thing used to knock by itself Hmm. uh one of my parents would go to the door to receive a perceived guest and there would be no one there uh there's a story Mm -hmm. 
my mom was trying to, I'll try to curtail this. My mom was uh, alone in the house. We had just moved in. I was maybe playing next door. My dad was playing golf probably. And uh, she was trying to paint this coffee table. She had a can of primer and a can of white paint. And there's no furniture in the house. There's, I mean, nothing, right? She doesn't even have a Bluetooth speaker at this point because it's 1995. Mm-hmm. And she, she does one lap, a coat of paint around the, um, around the coffee table. She comes around and there's a, a perfect pool of white paint, not on the newspaper, but on the tile floor. The cans of paint have not been turned over. There's just a pool of paint on the tile. So when somebody right. like that happens, I don't understand why who, ghosts need to be rude. Like, it, but we hear it all why the time, are you don't we? Paint on the tile. I'm gonna yeah. have to clean that up. Can't you just easily put it on the chair that I, or table I'm trying to paint as well? Well, right, I'll right. see the end of the story. And the reason that the spirit did that was because she was she was uh, priming with the paint and painting with the primer. So the oh. ghost was actually trying to tell her, right. "Lady, you got it mixed up." I take it back. That's funny. I take it back. <laughs> So when something like that happens, does your mother assume it's supernatural? What are, or do you? Yeah, you oh, I mean, that- she's, yeah, I mean, I wasn't there. So it's a, a, you know, this is a story that's been handed down to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my understanding is in the telling of it, she cussed it out and, uh, and picked up a can of paint and the, the, the can was knocked out of her hand, went flying across the room. And that's when she realized that she had been painting with the wrong. Uh, wow. Substance. Um, there's that there's, I mean, there was a kind of magnetic field in our stairwell. There was a, there were a couple instances of speaking in tongues. What do you mean magnetic field? Like something that you could feel? Yeah. Like I mean, there was affected a, the environment. There was a particular stair where, and it's weird because it only affected me. It didn't affect my parents. Uh, on, on, I don't, I don't remember at this point how many stairs we had, but I, I would reach this particular stair and all of the hair on my body would stand on end. Hmm. Uh, and then when I, then I could, there was, it was a very defined amount. It was like one, one or one and a half stairs. And then I would pass out of it. There were uh, kind of light apparitions all the time. Um, and then I think to, to me, the most interesting part of the story is after enough things happened and, and my mom would overhear me uh, speaking in tongues in the middle of the night that she, uh, she went ahead and did some digging. And we found out through the neighbors that uh, the house had a bit of a history. The previous owners, uh, the man of the house was a, a minister of some denomination, some Christian denomination. And they had poltergeists. Mm. So he had this big Bible that would um, that he sat on a pedestal at the the bottom of the stairs, and and uh, it wasn't near any kind of window. There was no reason there should be a draft, but the pages would turn by themselves all the time. The chandelier above the kitchen table would spin and spin and spin until it dropped. Uh, and according to the neighbors, that stopped when they replaced all the windows. Hmm. But, I mean, there was certainly some kind of presence at that house. Um, I think it has something to do with the land, but I'm not enough of a historian to tell you what that land uh, was used for prior to uh, it being colonized. Yeah. And so... What were, the, what, what were the experiences like with speaking in tongues? Was, did it come out of like a night terror or did it happen while you were 
still awake or how did that transpire? What I can tell you is I don't remember it at all. Uh, Believe it or not, I was a pretty nervous kid. Um, And uh, at a certain point, I just, you know, I just told my mom I was having bad dreams and, you know, could she sit with me until I fell asleep? And eventually she would fall asleep next to me in my room. And there were a couple times that she uh, was awakened by, by my uh, loudly speaking in a language that she didn't understand and had never heard before. And uh, hmm. the most memorable time, she said that she found me, I was uh, not just sitting up, but I, was, but I was kneeling, facing the corner of the room with my hand up and speaking calmly again in this language she'd never heard. And she, she grabbed my shoulder and she said, Allison, Allison, wake up. What are you doing, Allison? And I turned to her and I said, mom, it's okay. Don't worry. I turned back to where I was looking, continued my sentence and collapsed. And she couldn't wake me up after that. And how old were you? I couldn't have been older than seven. Wow. Whoa. Your mom must have lost her mind. Right. She was freaked out <laughs> to say the least. Another time uh, I... And I, this I do remember. I woke her up because I was really terrified. And I was like, get him out of here. <laughs> oh, She's like, Sweetie, what are you talking about? And I said, don't you see the man in the corner of the room? I mean, that's straight out of a that, horror film. Yeah. That's, and she that's, said, that's, honey, there's nobody there. And I'm screaming and I'm losing my mind. And I'm like, he's right there. Why can't you see him? She turned the light on. There was nothing there. Wow. <laughs> but I, but there what was. Do you remember like? No, it was, no, it was just a figure and it was very oh, present. Was but your mom it, ever able to track down or you or whom, anybody from the family able to track down the um, preacher and the family that had lived there right. beforehand? Uh, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't remember. I don't remember if she ever did. Gosh, that's great. It's so funny. <laughs> Growing up, some of the most uh, terrifying stories I ever heard were from pastors' homes. Like I went to a church as a kid and uh, it wasn't that old. I guess maybe... It was old, but I think it had been renovated recently. So by the time I was going there as a kid, it was felt like a newer building. But the parsonage, the house across the way where the pastor lived, was still very old. It hadn't been uh, renovated at all. But yeah, I don't know when. I think one of the youth pastors told me that, like, yeah, one time the uh, the pastor was down here and he looked in the mirror and you know saw the devil, and the devil <laughs> looked back at him, and I was like, why the fuck are you telling us this, like? <laughs> We were going to youth group because it was like, you know, that's what you do in middle school, like to mm-hmm. be social if you're in a Christian family. And I got this youth pastor telling me about like, yeah, the devil was in the mirror and the, par- and the parsonage was like where we had some of our youth group meetings. So I'm sitting down there and I'm like, God damn. I mean, I wasn't saying that at the time, but <laughs> I, and then there were, there were more stories. There were stories about like his car winding up in the woods, um, seem it made me think of it when you talked about the paint like seemingly moved deep into the woods without any trees or branches or grass being bent or broken between like where it would have had to go off road oh that's weird magically in the woods huh yeah super weird stuff well i have a question um what do you know what in this particular appearance the devil looked like 
No. And I think, you know, it's funny because the image in my head, <laughs> I only now realize when you ask that question, I've just always pictured Tim Curry and legend. I, that was going to be my question. Was it Tim Curry and legend? <laughs> that's exactly what I mean, was in my head as a kid. The worst. I, it's not the worst. <laughs> and I realized like I have a VHS copy of legend, like right next to me somewhere. Um, but I realized like, I've just had that in my head my whole life but it's not because of any description that was given. It's just because of legend. That's, right. always, that's always what I pictured. And then secretly, if I years later, I would be down in the parsonage. I wound up kind of like do, running video for my church mm. and I would be editing videos in there late at night. And I'd be thinking, oh, I want to see the devil that I heard about like years ago. I never saw anything though. Never saw anything, never heard anything. I mean, I would have lost my mind if I had heard a big brass door knocker go off with no one standing on the other side that would have mm -hmm. that would have terrified me well what's funny is that like now because of having those experiences i'm so i'm so into it i'm so right. like ready to have a paranormal experience but now i feel like the spirit world just finds me too thirsty yeah you know what i mean like oh she wants it too much <laughs> yeah. i know you know i've not, always felt I'm not that the, yeah the the the, the, the untouched like pure child who can be a conduit, right? I'm like ready to tell a story. Mm -hmm. I know Jess and I have talked about this because we've gone on so many ghost hunting expeditions and visited so many haunted places. And we did have one experience though with that theater. I in, was about to bring that up. The theater. That San Pedro? Uh, yeah. What, what's the, I just remember it was kind of close to, um, oh geez, Long Beach. Yeah. Right? Like right before Long Beach. Yeah. I can't remember the town. I but, want to say San Pedro. Yeah, well, let's but say I'll look San it up. Pedro. I'm fine. I'm we can fine say San it. Pedro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it was, <laughs> but it was like, you know, along the coast, one of the towns along the coast, kind of close. I just remember, for some reason, I'm thinking it's kind of close to Long Beach. Okay. And that uh, they had one of the few remaining um, classic theaters that, was, uh, that were owned by the movie house, uh, by the uh, film houses. So all you know, like all the all the old theaters back in the day were all owned by different um, production companies. So you'd have the MGM theaters or whatever theaters, and then they would just roll out their movies at their theaters. Well, this was one of the remaining standing ones from mm -hmm. I think uh, Paramount, maybe I don't know. I'm kind of pulling that out of my ass. I don't really remember, but. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, that has really nothing to do with the story. We were, um, other than that, it was super, super old. And we were walking around doing a ghost hunt there because the team that we were with, that we met through the Mystic Museum folks, totally. um, said that this was one of the places where they've always gotten the most responses. And uh, we went down to the basement and we had looked in the ladies' bathroom and did like a sweep of that area and there was nothing in there. And then we sat down in like, kind of like, you know, kind of like the. It makes me think of the basement of the Ace Hotel because it's, yeah, it's like there's we're, bathrooms and then there's yeah, kind of like a lobby. bathrooms and like a, a lobby. lobby. Yeah, so we yeah. were sitting in the lobby section right after we had walked out of the girls' bathroom or the ladies' bathroom. And um, I think we were complaining about how it was going to take us forever to get home because it was seven o'clock or something like that and traffic. Uh, back when everybody was out I know. and uh, right when we were complaining we heard this gigantic slam and walked in there and one of the doors had smashed itself on its mm. own nobody was in there yeah it was a huge like, metallic slam clearly of like a stall door and i remember thinking in the moment i was 
it, I was excited to be in that moment because you see those things on, you know, some of these ghost hunting shows, yeah. but I could in that moment, look around and see that every member of our crew, even the theater, the, the location reps, Jess, our camera operators, our producer, everybody was in that lower lobby. Mm-hmm. No, I could see that nobody had left to go and do that for us. And then we all moved into the bathroom and yeah, there was no one in there. And one of the doors had been slammed shut. And that was one of the only times I think we've kind of felt, well, other than that time, we thought a voice spoke my name over the radio. Yeah. And well, then I was pretty a, con- And then threw a dirty cup at you. Yeah, I'm pretty convinced oh. guys, that something threw a cup at me. But like of all yeah. the things to be upset about, like, why would you throw a cup? But yeah, that was weird. But so, so for you growing up in this environment, did I know it, you're basically saying it kind of made you thirsty for the paranormal. A little bit. Did, it, did you, uh, is that why now as an adult, you would like seek counsel from a witch or is it, did it kind of open you up to believing in that, in that stuff in general and give it credence? Sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's a, I don't think I need to like give you a whole paragraph on. Yes. I mean, the answer is yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like to, to grow up in a place as culturally diverse and rich as new Orleans, you yeah. know, and they're, uh, I mean, I'm not going to repeat all the uh, all the amazing information that I listened to Mystic Dylan uh, expound for you guys, right? There, yeah. There's, there's so there are so many different kind of attitudes about where energy goes in the afterlife, and I'm I'm fascinated. I really I don't I can't say that I that I ascribe to one particular dogma because I find it all so interesting from an anthropological perspective. Yeah. Um, have yeah, you ever I had mean, conver- I, I, go, go ahead. I was going to say, did you ever, have you ever had conversations now as an adult with your parents about those times that you would all witness the door knocker or the paint or, or you're speaking in tongues and how have they kind of categorized those instances? Uh, my parents are wildly different people. Yeah. And so my dad being a, being a pragmatic man of science kind of rolls his eyes at the whole thing. And was like, I don't. Allison, I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for this. Right. I'm sure you were having a nightmare. I'm sure your mom wanted to see this to <laughs> a certain extent. And my mom is all in like, oh, yeah, it happened. Yeah. But, and but to, to kind of shift the focus from uh, family experiences I, I've had, to go back to your story about your, your pastor seeing the devil in a mirror, I kind of similarly... A couple of years ago, it was the night before I was going to go back to a job I really didn't didn't like. Yeah, it was kind of spiritually weighing down on me. And uh, I don't know why I did this, but I I burned a little bit of mugwort before I went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I should have known better because I believe that I was visited by a demon. Interesting. How to, how did that manifest? Well. And this is why I asked what you think the devil looked like. And I was so comforted to hear you say it's just him, Curry and legend because, <laughs> because in my dream, the demon was the demon from Fantasia. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, he's my favorite. Balrog. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But he was, <laughs> he's pretty sexy. Sexy. Except he's a that beefy in my, bad boy. He's a beefy bad boy. <laughs> but in my dream, he was five feet tall. Oh, that's disappointing. Oh. And had a very, you would think that a demon would have either a booming voice or kind of a, an animalistic, very gravelly. No, it was just like a very flat kind of 
totally forgettable Pedestrian yeah. voice. And in a, it's so on the nose. But in my dream, I had on a backpack. I was very much on a journey. I, w- I, had, I had stopped in a house to, uh, to rest and take a shower and have a snack. And I remember in my dream being in the bathroom, and the bathroom had one of those sliding pocket doors. I went into the bathroom, I shut the door, and suddenly I saw this awful, inhuman black claw wrap around the side of the pocket door and pull it open. And that's when I was face-to-face with this five-foot smooth uh, cartoon demon. (laughs) And I was like, I don't want to talk to you. (laughs) And in this very flat, uninteresting, (laughs) inoffensive voice was like, no, no, no. We just want to have a conversation. I just want to have a chat. I was like, no, no, no. And I'm, and I'm struggling against this claw to slide the pocket door shut. And it's a pocket door. So I can't really slam it in its face or lock it effectively. So we're just struggling with this pocket door sliding back and forth. No, no, no. I don't want to talk. I just want to talk. I don't want to talk. And the claw finally wraps its way all around and yanks the door open and looks me square in the eye and says, but don't you wonder if your existential crisis is going to affect those around you? Jesus, it, what an insightful demon. I mean, oh it just, God. it upset me so much in the moment that I grabbed the door and I screamed, I don't want to talk. And I slammed the door and I woke myself up screaming and I couldn't move for 45 oh, minutes. Wow. Oh my God. And I've never, terrifying. I've never had a night terror like that before. Yeah. So you can imagine how I looked on set the next day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Psychological, you showed up like, with that so nice. Much- Passive aggressive demon. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. A little you petty. Sh- you showed yeah. up with that nice demon. You're kind vest. of a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's interesting is that I've had friends who have had experiences, and again, a lot of them came from like a church background and then and then even as adults went into like a charismatic, you know, church environment that kind of nurtures the idea. One of those of that cool stuff. churches? No, kind of oh. one of those like super. Good, I was kind of mocking that. Oh no, for sure. But I know what you mean. No, more like off the grid prayer warriors, like people that mm. are. There's like an, a, a worship service that's never stopping. It's like 24 hours a day, and whoa, and it's, so it's really intense. But there's you know a lot of stories of people seeing demons or uh, not necessarily being possessed, but being oppressed by demons, and almost always they're described similarly. They're uh, even in height and also in their the tone of their voice i've had multiple friends of mine tell me and i'm not really in that scene anymore but some of my friends and most of my friends the demon scene the demon scene (laughs) hashtag demon scene um guess what the title of this podcast is gonna be y'all oh hell yeah we could sell that pitch to blumhouse it's super timely (laughs) hashtag demon scene um but uh no they all said like they would speak in these very normal voices And the only thing I could equate it to, because I've never, I've had plenty of dreams where like I'm being killed or I'm killing someone else and just knows I wake up screaming, Jesus, at the top of my lungs <laughs> and, uh, and still have nightmares like that to this day. And my default, I guess, is to still yell Jesus at the top of my lungs. Yeah. Jesus. But, um, but I had a dream once that my dog, this is not going to sound scary and it will only make you both laugh at me, but my dog, my childhood dog, this dog named Casey, who was like a lassie dog. What dog is that? Golden co- Retriever? No, a Border Collie, I think is what they a sh- are. Oh, a yeah, Sheltie yeah. Or, or a Sheltie, a- something like that. Uh, yeah. He was 
he was a lassie dog. Okay. I dreamt that he started speaking. And but Yo. he spoke like you were saying. He was like, Hi, Andrew. <laughs> and I and in my dream, I was like, Well, fuck this, dude. Like <laughs> I was so as a kid, I was so clocked. It was so scary. I was like, I'm not here for this. And as a little kid in my dream, I like tried to go get away from him and I could hear his collar, you know, like jingling because and he was either coming after me or going around to the other side where he could cut me off the pass. Anyway. And then I remember like trying to go into my dad's office in our house. And then my dog just like rounded the corner and was like, boo. And <laughs> I woke up screaming at the top of my lungs. And I tried to explain Jesus. that as a kid. Yeah, I was like, Jesus. <laughs> but I tried to explain that as a kid that he had such a normal voice. That's what was terrifying. That it wasn't this like demonic, monstrous. It was just this, hey. And that was worse. Not to say like, that, that my dog was a demon in that stuff. dream, but. Sorry. It's like when horrible stuff happens on a sunny day. You yeah, know, bad exactly. stuff's not supposed to happen on sunny days, but then like the most fucked up shit does. And then you just, ooh. Well, yeah, the dream wasn't dark. It wasn't like there wasn't a storm outside. It was just a normal bright day in my house. It's just that my dog could talk. <laughs> and that was terrifying. Well, as an adult, have you had any further experiences with the supernatural? Have you done any ghost hunting or any seances or anything like that? Dude, a long time ago, this is probably over a decade now, I was on Ghost Hunters. I was on Destination Truth. Oh, I don't know if Truth. I knew that. Oh, man. Oh, that's I cool. Did. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've led an interesting life. At 19 years old, I was flown to northern Chile to go do a ghost hunt in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the night. I mean, they, Josh Gates sat me down in a 300-year-old cemetery and was like, all right, we're going down the hill. Enjoy your infrared cameras. Oh man. And you know, like, like we've been saying, like, I, I was so down, I was so ready and I felt nothing. <laughs> I mean, right. we were making reality television at the end of the day. And it's not, it's not that I don't believe that, you know, some of the encounters that they have on those shows aren't real. I do. I, I, you know, I know Grant Wilson, he's a, he's a homie and, and I know that he believes in this stuff too. I just think that at the end of the day, like, They've got to turn in an episode no matter what. And there is a, a certain amount of dramatic narrative weaving that happens, whether there's supernatural activity or not. Sure. But yeah. it is, I mean, it's part of my, like, it's part of my tourism. Like, no matter where I go in the world, I'm like, okay, so where's the haunted place? And how do yeah. I get there? How much is admission? Yeah. yeah. Am I allowed to light a candle? Yeah. <laughs> Um, all of that, but no, I mean, I, again, I think the spirit world finds me a little too thirsty for it. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Well, I, I, we're doing, I just wrapped up a show, um, which was a spinoff of Josh's latest one. And, uh, but we had some shit happen. Did stuff happen? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. We had one, the one that and she really was partnered was with a skeptic. Yeah, mm. it was like very X Filesy, where we, you know, you've got your scientist who's the skeptic, and that was not me. <laughs> and then you've got me right. who's like the hardcore believer. And uh, the one that sticks with me the most is we went to. I mean, there was a couple. It wasn't all just ghosts. It was a bunch of weird stuff. So in general, it just kind of depended on where you were. But we had one that was very much like a haunting on the island of the dolls, and I have never. I'm like not. I'm, my only emotion that's really close to the surface is usually anger. <laughs> so Same. Welcome yeah, to being female like in 2020. Yeah, that's just kind of my default. 
And uh-huh. uh, so everything else is pretty well checked and buried. And we went, and it was the first episode we shot. So I was also trying to make a good impression, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm just as, I'm just as cool and as hard as the rest of them. And I can be out right. here in these extreme weather and do this extreme stuff and I'm fine. And, uh, and also just the other flip side of, Hey, this is our first time out. I want to be a professional. And the minute we stepped onto that Island, there is a shack where the original doll that um, kind of kickstarted the whole thing, the whole phenomenon is kept along with a bunch of other stuff. And uh, that's not um, great on an emotional level. And I walked in and I have never felt this where it felt like, fr- like, like a directional sadness from left to right kind of just <sighs> smashed through me. And I started bawling, like uncontrollably crying wow. out of the freaking blue. Oh. And it wasn't like we were five days into shooting uh, 12 hour days and I was overly tired. It was the first thing. So there was no reason like it wasn't, there was no reason for it mm-hmm. except for what I was then told the fact that the doll wasn't here and this and that and the other thing. And people always feel this weird spot. And, and the same moment that that happened, like the same moment I flipped out, we got like two, three seconds of that shot of that footage and the camera completely shit a brick, Come like on. completely died, totally bricked up. And like to the point where I thought, oh, you guys are fucking with me, like the crew and stuff. Nope. They were straight pissed because that's a couple thousand dollar camera (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is just trashed. So they weren't like, you can tell when somebody's like legitimately frustrated because their their tech broke, their expensive tech. And when somebody's trying to pull a fast one, they were not happy. So that, yeah. So that was pretty, pretty amazing. And it was something I'd wanted to have, God, it was something I'd wanted to have happen in my life for so long to have like that kind of thing go down. And we got tastes of it. I felt when um, Bowser and I did our show together we got like bits and pieces, but I never had anything big enough to like really like rock me. And that one yeah. was definitely it. We wow. had had, and, and, and our listeners have heard this story, so I'll, I'll tell it briefly, but, or quickly, but Jess and I had a, a Brujo, a, a Santerian priest. Oh, that one was, yeah. Like mm. really read our mail. I mean, <laughs> that stuff Hard. to both of us that made us well up our eyes well up with tears because it, it just because it was so truthful and we had just met this guy and he was channeling the spirit uh, uh, an ancient spirit to then kind of talk to us psychically and you know i mean he rocked us and we he do have the footage of that fucking terrifying he was a, he was a very very imposing, imposing figure and and in order to channel the spirit you have to offer him rum and he like drinks the rum out of a bowl and then just sits there and smokes this cigar. And then after a, a few moments, he starts to shift his body and sit differently uh-huh. and hang differently in his chair. And then he's the spirit and he starts talking in Spanish. And then he has a translator for us. And man, he called us out. I mean, yeah. he had just met us and he was mm-hmm. saying stuff to me that like was what, well, again, just, he was reading my mail. Um, well, this that. is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it definitely God, rocked I forgot us. about that. Oh, oh how could God. you, man? We were both Well, I like, mean, it's, I didn't forget about it. It's just I haven't thought about that in a while. It rocked me. I was like embarrassed that we were being filmed. <laughs> yeah. It was so, you know, I mean, th- just to give you a glimpse, and th- this may seem like something that's easy to assume after n- knowing me even the slightest bit, but right away he takes a drag from his cigar 
And he looks at me and he's like, you always in your head, tripping over the same obstacle again and again, <gasps> head in the clouds, feet never on the ground. And I was like, well, fuck, I mean, got me. <laughs> like, and in the meantime, I'm sitting right. next to him going, shit, I'm glad that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he rocked you. Yeah, yeah he did. Wow. Yeah, totally. So that was, that was definitely an impactful experience. Um, well, Allison, I want to ask you, we're going to, Jess and I are going to talk about some, some news for a bit. And then the back end of this episode is going to be us hearing some music, which I actually think is a first on our, any iteration of this podcast. Oh, yeah. A musical oh, guest. I'm honored. And yeah, and we, uh, we're going to be hearing music from La Femme Pondu, who has written an album that is entitled Absolute Horror. And I think you know about the themes or concepts around this album. So if you wouldn't mind explaining for us so that when we have her on, we can uh, know exactly what to expect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I know her intimately. So I, I, can, I, can, I can definitely speak to that. Um, her songs are um, e each inspired by a female character from a classic horror film of the last century. So as early as, as Bride of Frankenstein and Dracula and as recent as The Witch. Gotcha. Um, and for me, these are interesting because a lot, you know, I think most of, if not all of the films that are referenced on this album uh, were directed by men. Uh, and so it was kind of a way, I think, for this uh, songwriter to uh, repurpose these narratives, these specifically feminine narratives and place them in a new context. So there are songs on the album that reference uh, the journey of Rosemary and Rosemary's Baby, or what it was like to be one of the uh, ill-fated ballerinas in Suspiria or Thomason in The Witch, like name it. Awesome. Um, yeah, uh, all in French and with reverb drenched electric guitar. <laughs> Perfect, <laughs> that sounds right up our alley. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for being here. And no, uh, thank you for having me. I'm such a fan of both of you. It was such well, a pleasure you. to um, drain this Sazerac and talk about yeah. spooky experiences we've all had. Yeah, drain the Sazerac is a good name for a podcast. I too. mean, I'm having a tough time deciding which one we're going to go with. They're both so good. I know. Demon scene is pretty Demon tight. Scene Demon scene is pretty tight. tight. <laughs> Maybe we can well, keep. Draining Demon the scene. You'll just have to come on a second time, and then we can hit up draining the Sazerac for that yeah. one. I'll yeah. drain another Sazerac for you. Demon Scene sounds like what I would I would name like my Sonic Youth style nineties <laughs> totally. buzz rock band. Yeah. I totally. would have my, my satin jacket embroidered with that on the back. I was just gonna say I would have had a patch on my yeah, like patches. my thrift store army jacket in high school and it would have said. I mean, Demon I think scene. we might have found possibly our first bit of swag. Yeah, Demon Scene. Y'all better make a Demon Scene patch shit, and I will sew that shit on my jean jacket so <laughs> fast. Aristotle's lurking in the chat, so I'm just going to hit him up and be like, dude, we yeah. got to make this happen. Totally. All right, well, thank you so much, Allison. Jess and I are going to dive into some news and thank then we're going to hear from La Femme Pondu. Thank Hell you. Yeah. Thanks. So Jess, yeah, I wanted to tell you about uh, a show that I've been watching. Yes, by uh, all means. I don't know how much you know about the films that are covered by this docu series, but I've found it very insightful. 
There's a show currently on Shudder, which is the horror streaming app. Can I pre can I pre ask a quick question? Yeah, pre ask. Is this something that how much does the do I have to pay another <laughs> subscription fee? Okay. So you do, but I do think, I think in light of our current pandemic, they're offering either a discount or even like a 30-day free trial or something Oh, okay, like cool. Because I'm, yes. I'm about tapped out on subscription fees right now. But- I know. And the truth is, if you're not, you know, super interested in horror, then mm-hmm. Shudder may not be for you. For me, I can just open up their library and, you know, just let it sit and go from go. film to film yeah i mean it, yeah. there's nothing on there that i wouldn't want to watch whether yeah. it's, it's like, like full like focus or back your version of my brit box it is exactly that and my yeah. mother loves my brit box fucking love brit box your <laughs> mom and i need to hang because i guarantee sure. her and i have some um things to talk about some in crossover oh yes what was the what was the was it an app what was the platform that you used to watch all of your like korean dramas on oh i still do it's called well Crunchyroll. it used i've had so many different ones because a lot have popped up and a lot have gone away um but right now the default that i pretty much consistently watch is Crunchyroll. oh okay and that has that's not just anime no, there's a, there's a, um, they have a Korean drama section. Netflix also carries a fair amount of Korean dramas, but they don't have the most recent ones. Yeah. Uh, Crunchyroll's where it's at. And there's another one I think called Vicky. Vicky's another oh. good one. Gotcha. I haven't even heard of that. Yeah. Rakuten, I think runs Vicky and then Crunchyroll's Crunchyroll. Well, I would suggest anyone that, that does like horror, um, and horror documentaries, uh, try Shutter and you know see if there's a free trial. And then if there's enough on their on their system to keep you interested, you know, pay for it. I mean, I I'm down for docs. For, so tell me about these. This down show. for docs. Okay, yeah. so there's a show. I'll be brutally honest. The first episode or second episode uh, didn't wow me. It's called Cursed Films, mm-hmm. and it's about infamous horror films that are supposedly cursed for one reason or another. So you're talking The Omen. You're talking The Exorcist. You're talking poltergeist, and you're talking the crow. Oh, yeah, souls, yeah. souls. Yeah, and you're yep, talking. I want that thirty day free trial. Totally, and you're talking Twilight Zone, the movie. Okay. Now, yeah, yeah. I'm into all those. The interesting thing about it is that the Exorcist one, you're always dealing with a certain amount of just human behavior. Like, is is the film cursed because it was directed by William Friedkin, who notoriously abused his actors you know that doesn't really quantify or qualify as cursed but it's still covered in there i mean he you know i don't know uh, him at all oh gosh i mean friedkin is infamous for you know not to be apologetic on his behalf but he comes from a different school of director you know his thing was like well if i need it to look like you're getting thrown across the room i'm not going to tell you how hard i'm having the stunt coordinator pull that rope I'm just going to oh. go over there and be like, hey, toss Ellen Burstyn against the wall real fucking hard. And then he wound up injuring her back for a lifetime. Uh, same for how he treated Linda Blair. I mean, he had her on, in a harness getting thrown up and down in that bed until she also injured herself. Um, so that's, you know, they cover that in the documentary series, which I think is important because I think it's important to delineate between the stuff that was just bad human behavior and the stuff that may be supernatural but then i guess there's also the idea that well something being cursed is kind of a blend of all those things he there were people physically hurt on that set there were also spiritual forces maybe at play not 
influencing Friedkin, but I just mean otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the most interesting so far, all of the episodes are up now. The most interesting, when I watched The Exorcist one, it was a little flat and a little thin. And they tried to pad the episode with some real world exorcism stuff. Mm-hmm. But you could tell the the documentary team, it almost felt like an afterthought because the the content of the episode was so thin. They thought, well, let's go find a fucking exorcist and interview him right now in 2020, like real quick. Yeah. That was really weak and limp. And they talked to a few people that that said they had a demonic possession or demonic influence in their life currently. It all felt kind of flat. It felt like half of like a Mari Povich episode shoved in Ooh. at the end. That's kind of terrifying in its own right. It was. I mean, it was weird because they were basically trying to make the statement that this exorcist was just, you know, uh, a hack and a salesman, used car salesman, just stealing people's money. The episode that I watched that actually got me into the series was the Poltergeist episode because I don't know how much you know about the Poltergeist curse. Um, It also... What I thought that was interesting about this episode was that I always get Poltergeist and The Exorcist mixed up in my brain. Okay, because I've well, seen them both, but I haven't seen them both often enough. So The Exorcist yeah. is the one with the two priests, correct? And the correct. little girl that gets possessed, and it's based on an actual possession it's, that it's happened to a little a boy, right? Correct. In in Maryland, I believe, or Virginia or D.C. Yeah. Okay, then I am actually more unfamiliar with the. Uh, Poltergeist than I am with The Exorcist as far as anything that it's based on in real life. So, well, I don't know if Poltergeist is based on anything specifically real as much as it's just based on the phenomenon of hauntings and poltergeists. But -hmm. Poltergeist is more famous because uh, two of its actors passed away and um, one very violently. uh, and, And also supposedly... There's a lot going on with Poltergeist. One, it was produced by Steven Spielberg and directed by Toby Hooper, the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. There's been an infamous dispute over whether or not Spielberg was the true director and that he wasn't allowed to technically direct Poltergeist because he was on hold with another studio for another project. So he hired Toby Hooper to basically be this kind of like facsimile of himself, but that a lot of people involved in the... speaks to this guy so that I don't look like I'm the one moving those strings. So Spielberg was allowed to be on set as a producer, but he wasn't directing, so he wasn't violating this contract he had with Mm -hmm. another studio, when in actuality, he was the one calling the shots. And there are even pictures of him on set, you know, going, making those director (laughs) moves. But one of my favorite horror hosts, Joe Bob Briggs, has said time and time again, Toby Hooper directed Poltergeist, and he directed the fuck out of it. Yes, he had Spielberg as a producer who was going to be very vocal and very influential. Because it's Steven Spielberg. Because it's Spielberg. But Toby Hooper directed Poltergeist. And i that's my belief. I believe Toby Hooper was the director of Poltergeist. Okay. Um, but supposedly they used real skeletons in a scene where this pool Oh, the pool being, scene. Right. Yeah, I didn't- Yeah, yeah. I've so, heard about this rumor. People say that whatever they did, wherever they got those skeletons from, it upset- something in the supernatural and is what led to the death of the young actress, the young blonde, the they're here, that girl, she died at, I think 13, um, basically from toxic shock syndrome. She had had an abscess in her stomach. They misdiagnosed her as having Crohn's Mm -hmm. and it turns out it was this abscess that had been growing and filling with things that then eventually 
exploded in her system and it's and you know, toxified her system. Horrible, uh, and you know, especially because it was a misdiagnosis that led to her her death. And then also the woman that played the older sister, Dominique Dunn, was. I don't even remember her. She's definitely not as. Um, effectual within the film. Is she Dominic Dunn's sister? She is the she is the daughter of Dominic Dunn. Okay, cuz I remember Dominic Dunn doing <laughs> doing a Hollywood mystery show, I think for A&E or Totally. something like that. And that's how I knew him was because he was very influential in Hollywood cuz I think he was a lawyer at one point and a historian also. Yes, and I think he even wound up like working on his daughter's case or covering his daughter's trial in a way that was kind of was new for the time. But so Dom, Dominique Dunn was murdered by an abusive boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So what I thought was interesting about this episode is it felt more responsible in how it dealt with the human side of it and the supernatural side of it. And they interviewed the director of Poltergeist 3, who basically said, we had wrapped filming Poltergeist 3, the young girl, Heather O'Rourke, then became increasingly ill and died. And the studio said, oh, I want a new ending. And the director said, well, our actress has passed away. I'm not reshooting something without her. That would be- Wait, she, the little girl passed away before they were done shooting? They were done, but then the studio wanted a new ending. Okay. So they, wanted, they basically wanted a reshoot, but they didn't have the lead actress. And the, the director, said, you know, I'm not doing that. And it was an interesting episode because it was one of the only times I've seen him, Gary Sherman is his name, um, get to tell his side of the story, which is that I didn't want to do this, but I had to go in and shoot with a body double. And he said it just felt so icky. He wanted the studio to shelve the movie. He wanted everyone to just walk away. And a lot of the other people on the creative side agreed. So it was interesting to hear his side of the story that the, the studio basically forced this reshoot on him. Yeah. The other interesting thing is you, you, they talked to the head of the special effects department who was like, did we use real skeletons? Yeah, probably, but oh. real skeletons are in every movie ever. I mean, he's like, you go to these medical supply houses, you buy skeletons. That's what they did in House on Haunted Hill, you know? Yeah. The Vincent Price movie. He's like, uh, that's People don't not, think of that as being an option. Yeah, it, that's normal. He said, like, the idea that we had a couple effect skeletons mixed in with purchased medical skeletons is not great. We didn't dig them up from a graveyard illegally. Mm-hmm. And then it was great because you get this great moment from the FX guy saying, the idea that anyone would blame these deaths on a supernatural curse is offensive to the actual cause of these women's deaths. One was domestic abuse and one was a misdiagnosis, a medical misdiagnosis. So he was like, a curse has fuck all to do with why those women died. Mm -hmm. And it was just a great quote because it was like from the inside. It sounds like he's probably super over having this conversation. Super over having the conversation and very much tired of, you know, a man who was an abusive, like a maniac his actions being excused away in a sense by saying, well, but it was the curse. That's not a curse. It's just that guy being a horrible person. Anyway, 
So it's a very interesting series. I'm going to watch The Crow and the Twilight Zone episode tonight. Oh, shit. Well, I'm going to have to sign up tonight. I think you should try the trial because I think you, you'd like this series and you may wind up finding more on the service that you like. Yeah, no, I'm down. I'm, uh, you, you had me at the crow. I know. <laughs> you had me at the crow. That's also something we need on a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, we should both watch that episode. We can talk about it next week because I've heard there's some okay. kind of new revelations. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, talked about in this episode. Okay. Well, now for, a, for an untold hour first, we're going to have our first musical guest. And I'm super excited because we get to have a horror-themed musical guest. I'm into it. This is, yeah, we're going to be joined by La Femme Pondu, who has an album called Absolute Horror. And as Allison had explained for us, it's all themed around uh, famous figures from horror tales that are normally represented only through kind of a male lens. Uh, this artist has reinterpreted or kind of exposed a different side of their narrative, a specifically feminine one. So thank you for being here, La Femme Pondu. Merci, merci beaucoup. We'd love to. I think we're going to hear two songs from you, and I'm ready to just relax and listen. So whatever you want to yeah, play chill. for us. Yeah, Jess and I are super excited to have you here. Parfait, on y va. Je me lève seule, enfin seule, tu m'as fait et morte, soudainement. Je me sens si forte mmh. Un homme détenu Attends dans la grange J'ai goûté ses portes sur les planches Finalement Le temps est venu Oui j'aime bien la goutte pêche Les guidées de mer Et oui j'adore l'autre que tu veux Je l'ai guidée de ta mère Je veux vivre, laissez-moi écrire mon nom dans votre livre. Je vais guider ta main, je vais guider ta main. Un peu sous la lune brillante, j'entends les femmes qui chantent. Je laisse ma robe tomber au sol. Du sein et du lait sans peur du Levité par le feu, Philippe, je n'ai jamais eu besoin de vous. Oui, j'aime bien la route page, les guider ta main. Et oui, j'adore l'autre que tu veux, je veux guider ta main. Décisement, t'es comme je veux vivre. Laissez-moi écrire mon nom dans votre livre. Je vais y Oh, 
love it. Amazing. That's great. I don't think there's any better combination than haunting and soothing at the same uh, time. I was going to say spooky and French. I love Ooh, well, both. spooky, French, haunting, soothing. I love it all. Yeah. C'est un dialogue entre le diable et moi, comme d'habitude. Okay, I have I'm no gonna, idea what she just I'm said. I'm going to nod my head and smile. <laughs> I, I heard, wish I think devil something in there. I'll take it. Yes. I'll take it. Um, I love the French language. I was in France in September, and I learned not a single word. Um, so we'd love to hear another one from you. And I don't know if you said prior to the last song which character this was based on, but I'd love to know what the next song is, is based on. And uh. C'est dans la première ligne, je suis Rosemary, mm. le bébé de Rosemary. I can, I can get that. Je suis Rosemary, et la mort de ma vie m'a trahi. Je voulais une famille, mais il voulait la célébrité. Quand il habitait les voisins se jouaient avec mon âme Mon cou dans une corde et une ombre tombait sur ma vie De diable à côté m'a choisi en tout le monde D'apporter de l'enfer à la terre M'apporter une douleur profonde Il chante, il crête, et maintenant je ne peux pas dormir. Et après ma sommeil, il n'y aura pas de souvenirs. Et tel un chocolat au sucre pour m'empêler. Et la viande trop crue, quelque chose ne va pas. Le rien à côté m'a choisi en tout le monde. D'apporter de l'enfer à tête, m'apporter du le profond. Quel grand mystère ce qui est arrivé cette nuit. Tout sorcière apportant mon cauchemar à la vie. Crucifix noir qui pend 
Thank you so much. Excellent. That was wonderful. Thank you. Yes. I love it. Well, that was that was absolutely wonderful. I'm so glad that we had a, a musical guest and one that was so on brand for us. So you know, spooky. You know, Perfect. So spooky. And it's not about being on brand for us, but I like it when it happens. Um, Allison, where can people find La Femme Pondue's music? Okay, so La Femme Pondue's uh, debut EP, which came out on the summer solstice last year, is available wherever you stream your music. I'm talking about Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, your mom. It's also yeah. available on Ew. Bandcamp. Um, <laughs> the full-length album is available now for pre-order on Bandcamp, iTunes, and also for limited edition vinyl on Crates, Curates. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but... Curates. Um, Who knows? That's yeah, a She's only making 100 copies, and I think there are only like 38 left. So oh, well, nice. I'm going to get one because I yeah. have a vinyl, so I will be purchasing one well, as me soon too. as we wrap this up. I've got my little oh, record player. Yeah, no, and for so, sure. And for dum-dums, not like me, but other dum-dums, how do you spell <laughs> La Femme Pondu so people know how to search for it? All right, so definite article, La Feminine La, L-A, uh, Femme, F-E-M-M-E. And then we use the male conjugation of pendu, which means hanged. And the reason I do this um, for anyone who speaks a lick of French to not come at me is because, uh, because I'm repurposing these uh, female narratives that have been told through a male lens. I wanted to use the male conjugation of, uh, of something that a woman is experiencing. And that's why we drop the E off of pendu. So I'm spelling it P-E-N-D-U. I love it. P-E-N-D-U. I love it. Well, I completely had that spelled almost like fondue, so I was totally off. Right, right. <laughs> I was like, I know there's a P. I got that. Everything else. You know, is growing up with a 10-letter last name with a silent G in it, Yeah, <laughs> I've just kind of taken on this mantle of carrying uh, difficult spellings with me. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely lovely. Jess, right. you want to let people know where they can find The Untold Hour? Yeah. Well, hopefully they know where to find it since they're listening to this. But yeah. just in case you want to pass this little tidbit along to your friends and get them to listen too, uh, you can follow us on Insta at The Untold Hour. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Untold Hour Pod. You can start sending us your listener stories because we are collecting them. We have enough now that I think next episode we can probably start busting them out. In fact, we might make them their own, um, well, they were always their own segment, but a significant segment. Uh, you can email them to theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com. And also, just as a reminder, our Facebook page is no longer, but we are keeping the Facebook group going. So if you want to come and hang out with, the fa with everybody at the Facebook group, it is the, oh shit, the Untold, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be an episode if I didn't fuck this up. I, just search the Untold Hour, it'll pop up, I'm pretty sure. Yes, I think <laughs> those are good instructions to get. Yeah, yeah, right? Those are pretty decent. I like those. Awesome. All and right, well, I'm going to do my, right. uh, my NPR sign off. Sign it off. All right. Make us sound smart. <laughs> yeah. This has been Andrew Bowser, Jessica Chobot, and Allison, and you've been listening to the Untold Hour. 
Did you not say her last name because you freaked out on the Yeah, because I didn't want to fucking botch well, the NPR you outro. You can't say everybody else's last name and not say hers. It's okay. I like having a one, just a single word last yeah. name. One day I'll be the artist formerly known as Allison Scagliotti and I'll just go by a Totally. Name. No, I just I really wanted say, to call Bowser and, out on that. Exactly. And Allison S. And Don't you're worry. listening to The Untold Hour. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Star Bands Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.